You're listening to the one of us.net podcast network. They come from the bowels of hell, guided by a master plan of complete domination of the earth. It arouses such emotion that the management has been forced to state positively no refunds. You know, I seriously considered starting this episode by singing a Christmas carol, but then I realized these guys hate me enough already, <laughs> and I'm probably a terrible idea. I wouldn't have done that. I would have gone with Jingle Bell Rock, which oh, is a little more hip. Bell, it's what the kids Bell, are doing Jingle today. Bell, yeah. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Hope it's our Christmas in July episode. Yes, it is. Merry because Christmas. it's just so cliched to celebrate Christmas during Christmas time, right? Yeah. I, well, if I remember correctly, the origin of this was that Patience loves a themed episode, and we dread a themed episode and she wanted to do Christmas well, we need to do Christmas guys it's about to be Christmas and I don't remember what the December episode was we're like no we already picked it we're excited I think it was Argento or something <laughs> and she's Argento. like and so I told her I said what if we do Christmas in July and her face lit up she's like oh that sounds great it let's was, do that it's, it was, it's a magical idea so that's a thing though Christmas in July is it's a, a thing, thing yeah. Like, yeah. so who did that first that feels like that's relatively uh, recent I think right? it was um, like the uh, department stores because they're all having Christmas in July sales right now oh, so enough. it's just a way to sell more shit okay well in our particular so case we, we, so we, Christmas it's like Christmas so, yeah. <laughs> to a fan Linus Van Pelt who would say like we have commercialized even Christmas in July. Yeah, we have commercialized Christmas horror movies. Am <laughs> I doing it in July? Which, yeah, our way is not. We're not like trying to send you out to buy stuff. I mean, I'll, you know, although there's certainly ways you could spend Actually, money. Actually, we're going to give that. away stuff in a little bit. Yeah, but uh, we there's a lot of holiday themed and Christmas themed, specifically horror movies out there to talk to. We really had to narrow it down. Surprisingly, to seven movies. Of which there was much discussion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, we should uh, introduce ourselves. Yes, we should. Who uh, are you? I'm uh, Russ. And more importantly, who do you think you are? <laughs> uh, I'm Rob. I'm Russ's twin brother, so we sound alike. That's confusing. Sorry. Can uh, you guys do like a voice, can funny we voice do or something? Like a Only if I can do the whole thing in the Batman voice. I feel like voice. I'm always doing a funny yeah, voice. Do the Batman voice. That's good. Yeah, that's I, good. I'm Rob. Yeah. I'm going to talk like Seems this. like Patience is already on this. <laughs> this if I get him to you, can you get him to talk? Wait. I'm the girl. Yeah, and I'm Chris, and of course we have a special guest here. Hey, guys. It's uh, 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 We don't need to do Rawhead Rex voice, and uh, we're done. <laughs> I am just regretting that episode another, so much. <laughs> another Christmas miracle, everybody. <laughs> All right, so. And of course, uh, the unofficial uh, fifth beetle, uh, Carlos. In the cage. Yeah. <laughs> we keep Carlos out until we need something to drink. Uh, Can you whip the gimp? Yeah. <laughs> speaking of drinking, uh, speaking of drinking, um, this podcast is uh, brought to you by our excellent, excellent sponsor, Oscar Blues, which is a uh, maker of fine craft beer, dry rub. Bicycle stuff. Bicycle stuff. And yeah. something else. Soda, which, and I soda, which we're trying to get trying. Dude, go to the brew pub. Uh, there's one right near here, and their blackberry cream soda. Oh, oh my, god. my god. That sounds so good. Oh I don't know god. why we don't record there next I, time. I mean, I, I don't know why we don't go there after this recording. <laughs> but uh, they have, speaking of the brew pubs, they have one, two in Colorado and one in North Carolina as well. So, so you can you can go to the facility and kick it and uh, have a drink with all your buddies mm-hmm. afterwards. But we want to spotlight, uh, Russ and I talked about we should spotlight one beer this episode, so we decided to do Russ's favorite, which is the uh, Mama's Little Yellow Pills. Right. And uh, sounds that's like also a, my favorite, too. It s- sounds like a Skinner song. Right? <laughs> it really does. Mama, and, Little uh, Yellow Pills. It's uh, 
unlike uh, and according to them, unlike their mass unlike mass market pilsners uh, dil- diluted with corn and rice, Mamas is built on pilsner and honey malt, and then hopped with says. I think that's how you say it. Aramis hops. I probably Not didn't made. say that. These right. are all things I love. Yeah, but it, yeah. it's it tastes good, and uh, even though it's uh, rich in flavor. It's uh, 33 IBUs and a 4.7 alcohol oh, by no volume. Shit. So, so it'll get you can drink that up. stuff for a while, which is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, unless you're like used to Bud Light, which is like three. <laughs> yeah, that's not like yeah, it's a 3.8 or yeah, something. Uh, even yeah. less. It's a, and uh, not only that, it comes in a super kick-ass can, so you can take it anywhere, and it has a kick-ass high-tech pop-top. You know, so uh, that's what can, they do. They were the one who invented the whole craft beer in a can. Nobody was doing that before Oscar Blues did. Right. I believe they also had the very first. Wasn't they? Didn't they have the very first Tall Boy? I don't the know. Dale's about that. Pale Ale. I don't think it was no, a the tall first boy. like twenty ounce Tall Boy. I don't know. We'll have to look that's that up. I might be just talking don't shit right now. Yeah, yeah don't please patients. don't quote. It's in the 19 ounce. 19 ounce. Thank you, Carlos. Okay. Shotlow says it's Shotlow's in the 19 ounce. is in charge of so the... the Dale's Pale Ale was the first craft beer in a can. Yeah. yeah. So either. Well, uh, now they got uh, their Pilsner, so check that one out. And the, uh, and the Pale Ale, if you dig that, too. They're both I like good. it. Can I, can I just say real quick, thank you, subscribers, so much. You know who you are out there. You guys are wonderful. You, we cannot do this website without you. Without you guys, literally, there'd be no website. And we desperately need more of you. This site is very expensive to run. It is a full time. It's two full time jobs for me. Basically, it takes up so much time. I don't. You know. I mean, I got to make a living. I make a living, and I don't expect to have much past that making the site. But guys, if you don't subscribe. I can't afford to do the site. That's really just kind of the end of the story. So please. There's multiple tiers, so you don't have to give all of your paycheck to us or anything. I mean, yeah. it's it's all pretty affordable. And uh, the advantage to subscription is that you have access to a bunch of stuff that you don't, you know, that we don't put up. I mean, our, we're free, but yeah. for $2 a month, you have no idea what you can get. Like, you can get naked pictures of Chris Cox. Wait, no, hold on. No, that is not <laughs> uh, But I, sure I would say that? like like $5 a month, you get the, well, $2, you get the, uh, the our podcast, The uh, Breakfast Pub, which is weekly which is, uh, my favorite. news, yeah. uh, all the entertainment news and trailer review stories out there, which is always really fun to do. And then Five dollars a month, you get, get pictures of monkey. No, no, there's no pictures of monkey. <laughs> Sometimes get, there's pictures of monkey. Yeah, but not in there. <laughs> you can just get on our social media and you'll see pictures of monkey. And the gathering is actually fantastic. It's like it's bi-monthly. It's our it's our it's, it's a free thing, for all. Huh? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty yeah. great. I People mean, people who who remember me from back at Spill.com, we used to have a show called The League of Extremely Ordinary Gentlemen, and. This kind of is the new League of Extremely Ordinary Gentlemen. It's a big group of geeks that are drinking and partying, and each episode is not one episode. It's three episodes. So every other week, for $5, you get three hour or plus podcasts of drunken geeks having a great time. And by the third episode, we're pretty sloppy. Yeah. And we do special in a good way, and have special guests, and it's a lot of fun. Sometimes we serve food, yeah. but yeah, it goes past that. The ten dollar tier, you get uh, 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 our commentaries for movies, which are just fun. They're not like a commentary track. We're like, and this part here is where you'll see. No, it's us going like, what an asshole! I hate this scene, and having fun and telling jokes, and it's a good time. And if I had my way, it would be Congo every single time. No, it would not be. We did do Congo, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I had to say yes to that, and I was like, oh god, I don't want to watch Congo again. But I did. Anyway, yeah, and Jedi has got lots of hidden, which is the highest level, has lots of hidden stuff from the old spill days that no one ever got to see. Like videos, a television show episode that we made, all sorts of stuff hidden in there, pictures, like just artifacts that are really cool, as well as some new original stuff. So, guys, subscribe. But you know what? Let's move on 
to uh, patience. This is yours. You take this. Oh my one. gosh! So this is our Christmas in July episode um, number one. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to do a, a. I wanted to give a Christmas present away to one of our subscribers, and if you liked and shared one of our episodes of the female horror directors uh, twenty seven through twenty nine, it automatically entered you to win. We had nineteen. Entrance is that the correct term for it? Entrance, Inch, inch entree. Wish we had more, but <laughs> that's good. Entrees. I, I, I feel like I'm I'm pretty happy with it. You know? And so we put you guys into a random generator, and the winner of a set of your very own Deliberation of Doom shot glasses is drum roll. Do we have a drum roll? Can we can we insert a drum roll? Michael Vanderpool. You're a winner at life, buddy. Yeah. Winner at life. Congratulations. You're better than anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, Michael, please uh, DM us your email or your address, your physical, your actual address at oneofus.net at gmail.com. One, yeah, oneofusnet. Oneofusnet at, g- g- at gmail.com. Thank you. And we will get those to you post haste. Yeah. And thank you for listening. And thank you for liking and sharing and yeah. being such a. I mean, he's. I'm, I'm glad Michael won because he's always yeah, like he's has active, great uh, comments. Yeah, he's, and, he's always. But active. thank you to everybody. Yeah, like yeah, a whole obviously. group of people who are really supportive yes. and thanks so much. And we will have future contests. Oh, in yeah. the future. All right, let's uh, go on with episode right, so thirty. Uh, and before we go on, I just want to say that we are a spoiler-heavy podcast. So yes. if you are interested in seeing these movies fresh before uh, our review, then you're going to want to pause and come back. But otherwise. Forge ahead. One, one of the things I really like about our listeners is that they we, we post the lists on Facebook, and we always encourage you guys to like contribute to the lists. I mean, we take all of your comments um, to heart. So a lot of people listen, uh, like they watch the movies before they listen to the podcast. So that plus they they're can... also good looking and smart. Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> Let's never forget and that. They're handsome, it's a super attractive audience. <laughs> yeah. We've got the hottest audience of any podcast. <laughs> In fact, it has been scientifically proven that listening to Deliberations of Doom makes you Makes you looking. hotter. Yeah. It's a thing. It's true. Anyway, uh, so we have a new thing we're doing this, starting this this episode, which is uh, the summer's summer, summarizations. Yes. Oh, which is, yes. they now have the short summarization, so we don't spend forever getting into the plot of a film. The Now the synopsis is their job. So yes. without further ado, our first film is, I, I think I'm going to say is probably the film we all like the best from oh, this I lot of films. Love this movie. Which is Better Watch Out. Take it. Mr. Rob's. Okay, I'll go first. Yeah, uh, okay, so better watch out. Um, Russ uh, wrote these out or whatever. So, a 12 year old boy is left alone at Christmas time with his babysitter he has harbored a crush for uh, years. When uh, his advances are interrupted by a home invasion, the two must team up with the boy's best friend to defend the house, but things are not quite as they seem, and the greatest threat has only begun to emerge. Okay, do yourselves a favor, guys, right off the bat. Don't watch the trailer to this. Right. Yeah, I if agree. you're at this point, you're stopping. I was like, hey, don't listen to what we're going to say past here. This movie's so good. Don't. It's. I know people are like. I don't mind spoilers. This is one of those things that you are that that I feels like is a case for spoilers. Do hurt your enjoyment yeah. for a film. You should watch this movie as sight unseen as possible and just let it wash over you. I uh, in, in a rare uh, uh, event. I literally knew nothing about this movie. I made I made you watch watch it. it, We watched it uh, on Halloween, believe it or not. It was when we picked for our Halloween movie, crazy enough. And Chris was very excited watching it and and 
told me nothing. And it was probably one of the most enjoyable uh, movie experiences I had that year for that exact reason. I, I think if I'd known even anything about this, uh, it wouldn't have been as fun. So it's yeah, it's, it's great. And it's one of those movies that despite from a first time like a feature director, Chris Peckover, uh, like, and just, uh, you know, launching a fantastic fest, which all things considered is a relatively small festival. I mean, certainly not Sundance or something, right? This movie got major legs and almost everyone in it has gone on to bigger things, like much bigger things. Like these young actors, uh, Olivia de Jong, uh, is, has gone on. She was in The Visit as well, uh, along with, um, oh, good Lord, what's his name? Ed Oxenbold, who plays the best friend here. They were in, the, both visit in the Visit together. Yeah. And she's got a big thing lined up, but Levi Miller is moving fast. Like, I know the movie sucked, but he's one of the stars of a rink, Disney's A Wrinkle in Time, which is a big step up from a tiny little Christmas horror comedy, <laughs> you know, and he's got lots of stuff on his schedule coming up. It's interesting how fast things can move if you just happen to have that bright amount of heat. And when this movie played Fantastic Fest, when it was called Safe Neighborhood originally, every What's the original name, Safe yeah. Neighborhood, yeah, okay. everybody was like, "Oh my god, did you see that fucking thing?" It was like one of those. There was no buzz about this film ahead of time, and then everybody, it, like, like the first screening was half empty. The second screening had like a hundred people who couldn't get it because hmm. <laughs> everyone was like, "Oh my god, it was so great!" Yeah. I mean, this movie is absolutely incredible. Um, I, I, I'm just like I'm, I can't even say enough about it. It's um, a new Levi, classic. I know Levi Miller especially is such a standout as far as performance wise because he plays this psychopathic role that you're just like, holy shit, and he sells it, and he's like, what, twelve? 13? Yeah, he's one of those, like every child actor, they seem to intentionally go for guys who look like they're not going to grow real fast. Um, I don't know what the deal is with yeah, that in Hollywood. Yeah. They're like, hey, is that guy's dad short? We should hire him for a movie. Which, unfortunately, they did that in Gotham. And I was like, guys, don't you think you should have hired the guy whose dad was like seven feet tall? And you know, when he goes through puberty, he's going to actually look like Batman. But no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, first of all, this this whole entire movie starts off with Patrick Warburton and Virginia Madsen. Right there. And, and, and right there, I was sold. Like, I immediately, because Patrick Warburton is, in, is so into Christmas. And he is like so fanatic about it and he just starts talking about how much he like he, you know his ornaments aren't on the tree and he has a Christmas tie and he has a backup Christmas tie and then Virginia Madsen and him have this whole like conversation where she's calling him gay she emasculates yeah him, she and she's just like did you suck dick in college like you can tell me and because he loves Christmas so much and that's the the opening scene yeah. of this movie and immediately I was like I'm gonna like this movie once again not in an offensive way I yeah yeah not in an offensive way it was way. done with sort of like banter between a husband yes, and wife type exactly uh and yeah. I just, I just love that whole conversation about Patrick Warburton maybe possibly having, uh, being bisexual in college. <laughs> I love that whole conversation. Immediately sucked me in. And then. And now I'm just picturing Brock from the Venture Brothers <laughs> sucking a bunch of dick in college. I was, was it like, he the okay tick? I was thinking of the tick. He was the original tick. Yeah. Yes. I was thinking of the tick, but whatever. And then this, the whole movie, it ends up like, it, it builds like this whole, structure it's it's very meta I mean, um, it's, in a way it's home alone if it turned out that like like Macaulay Culkin was the real psychopath <laughs> which i think 
there's an interpretation in which he is. It's like a reverse Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even going to the point where it's aware of the existence of Home Alone and they're it's testing literally. what would actually happen if you did some of the shit to someone that happened in Home Alone. And guess what? You don't just have a bump on your forehead. <laughs> that was actually the scene that kind of grossed it grossed me out. Like, I was like, uh, that was a little too you know, much for I, me. What yeah. I loved about it, though, I mean, it's the, it's the gross scene in the movie. They're doing the paint can stunt from Home Alone, right, with the mm-hmm. swinging down paint can. And what works is it's actually really cool looking. You're like, oh, so the guy's head is destroyed, but there's also paint everywhere. It's beautiful. And it's a really neat sequence. Especially I'm with the yellow paint, I th- yeah. think, made it especially beautiful. But... It, I was a little. Feels like they should have gone with out. green paint. No, I Since think it's the a yellow Christmas movie and it's red and green oh, would have made more sense. Oh my god! Like, Interesting. Yeah. What do you think, Espies? Bobster. Uh, I again did not know anything about this movie. Really watching it, I hadn't heard of it. It, it hadn't really appeared on my radar. Russ and Chris were raved about it, and they're like, "Oh, you got to check this out." I think almost everyone I've talked to that watched this movie loves it. Like I had other people who'd watched it. Um, come up and tell me how great it was before I'd seen it. And they're like, oh, you, you haven't watched it yet? I didn't really understand what there would be about it to, to be excited about. Like, I was like, okay, it's like... But again, I really didn't research it very much. And I think that is um, advantageous in watching this movie. But watching this movie, the twist in this movie is so strong and left field. And it shouldn't... In a lot of ways, like in other movies I've watched where they pull like the rug out from under you like that and there's no real setup for it that, you know, um, the kid is this sociopath or psychopath or, you know, that he's just this dangerous person would normally feel unfair or cheap or, or like just arbitrary. And because the movie hinges on that and it nails it and they have that moment and he looks at the girl and he knocks her down the stairs and you, I didn't even know how to process it. And, um... It's so shocking. It, it, it really is. And, and, and it just... Because I think what happens is the movie starts and it's, it's entertaining. Um, I don't love the emasculation stuff. I, I thought it was a little, a little... I thought it was hysterical. I know. I thought it was kind of... But that's probably my biggest claim of the movie is that stuff. But, um... But it, it sets it up and it seems like you're... It feels like you're ahead of the movie. Because, you know, he's playing this thing where he's going to set up the, the babysitter. And knowing movies, you start to feel like, this is fake. Like, this isn't really happening. He's doing this to impress the girl. You kind of start to see the twist. And I was like, why did Russ and Chris tell me to watch this? Like, this is a well-made movie, but I'm sort of ahead of this. And you are super not ahead of the movie. And you have been, you know, faked out. And that, I think, is the strength of the movie. It's so strong. And it carries... And then I think the movie delivers on what it twists on. So, like you said, like... They start to mess with everything, and it's not frustrating or obnoxious or annoying. It just you can feel it like that. It, things just keep getting ratcheted up because this kid's crazy, and now he's sort of off the chain. It's, it, it asks the question, which is very relevant now: Is there anything more evil than a thirteen-year-old boy? Is there anything or more- guys that never stopped? growing after 13 psychologically, which is way too common in our society. I mean, yeah, no, this kid's like a total incel. Well, he is, but he's this awful person, and I... But you don't really know that that's happening. And and I think the movie does a good job that it doesn't lose you in his awfulness. Because I think, like, that's the thing a lot of the movies who watch this podcast do, is they start to get into his awfulness. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the movie starts to feel... Uh, like, it's really wallowing in it. And here, it just stays super entertaining and fun. And also, it keeps this stuff going, like... Are they going to be able to escape? Because you really you focus in on 
um, the babysitter, and, and she's great. And they have that thing with like the the blood. She's trying to escape with the with the glasser, and, and the blood started. And is she going to get caught? And I think the movie stays expert. It's really it's well photographed. It's kind of it's a pretty looking movie, a, a sharp looking movie. And I, I mean, I enjoyed that a lot about it. Like technically, I think the movie's aces. It does take full advantage of it being a Christmas film visually, without it ever being like annoying and treacly about it, except for when it's playing on the tree. I don't think it ever really, um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't play it up as a gimmick. Like yeah. it's, it, it uses as the backdrop to allow him to be alone and with her or whatever. I do think probably the biggest thing is the push that he would need a babysitter at 13. I right. think, I think the movie addresses that a little bit. It mm-hmm. has to, has to kind of make that happen. When I was 13, my parents still insisted on a babysitter. Really? Yeah. I was babysitting I, at 13. I really wow. wanted to fuck I would insist so on a babysitter wow. to Chris Cox right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. Chris, I, Chris I would say my third, when I was 13, my babysitter, she had brought she over. Hot? She, she was super hot and she was like had just seen heavy metal and I was yeah. not allowed to see it and I was like tell me about it and she literally did a play by play of the movie heavy metal including Ooh, full description of like the nudity and sex and I'm like what is this thing in my pants? Uh, and I remember actually going like, you know, I'm a virgin and like, I really, can you think about how great it would be if you'd be like, I actually de-virginized that guy. She's like, no, no, that's not happening. I was like, but it'd be great, right? That was your play? Yeah, that was my, I was 13. What do wow. you want? Know? Wow. Uh, we learned a lot about Christmas. And surprisingly, Anyways, he's, he's Better Watch Out's really guys. good. Um, I do recommend this movie. Uh, I did not I would try say, to kill her, for the record. Yet. I was... T- well, I would say of all the movies we watched on the podcast, this one's the best one. This one's I mean, it's far favorite, and away. Yeah. It's super entertaining. It's it's good stuff. So um, I don't think I have. I, I don't. I don't really want to get too into specifics because I think you know it's just you, if you haven't watched the movie, I've given away the twist anyway. But it's great, and I think it delivered on its its promise. So I don't know, Russ. Uh, yeah, uh, same thing, obviously, uh, super entertaining, um, I'm sort of the Rob, I, I found a little, the com- I, he also sort of comments on the babysitter, which I found kind of cringy at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, he's definitely checking her. It was a, it was a little cringy, that, that, and the, the Virginia Madison I feel like it was line. supposed to be, though, too? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. I don't know, it's too, because it, to me, it's probably one of the only, um, wrong notes in the movie, which I, I really enjoyed. Um, I, I agree with everybody, he kicks her down the stairs, I had no idea where the movie was going, and I think, as, as a film goer, Especially somebody who watches, I mean, a ton of movies. That's what you're waiting for. You're waiting for a movie where you say, I honestly have no idea where this movie is going to go next. Because, and where it goes, they they keep uh, ratcheting it up. I, I ha- the paint can was just, that to me is the high point of the movie. Yeah. And and they, they play with it for a little. I mean, we, we think about that, okay, he knocks the head off. But it, they do it one time before that and it doesn't work. So it's super suspenseful. The whole time before that, and and it's just a funny thing to see that aspect of Home Alone played out in real life. Mm. I, I just I, I can't uh, I can't get over that. The, the other thing I want to say that I thought was really great was um, the douchey ex guy who shows up, not the boyfriend, <laughs> but the other guy yeah. who comes back. He's sort of note perfect with his terrible outfit, and uh, I, I really like that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just going to add with everybody else. I, I just, I really enjoyed this movie. It's it's one of those little horror movies that shows up on Shutter that I recommended to everybody. One of my favorite parts is at the at the end. There's like a little montage scene of where he's trying, where he like cleans up, you know, all of his very fair jewelry. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's very fair. And he has on the Christmas sweater, and he's listening to the Ramones Christmas song, and it was just like such a great moment. And that's when he realized. I mean, besides the paint can time, that's when you really realize, like, oh, this little kid's a fucking psycho. 
And I, he's so good. And he's so good you, at you it. You kind of want him to get away with it. You definitely like, you, want you, him well, to you, get away with uh, it. Yeah, I wanted to address that specifically and why that works. Because this is an 80s Zemeckis film when it starts. It completely is. With a little bit of John Hughes, a little bit of Spielberg, but especially with the casting. Levi Miller is a kid that you're like, this kid is smart, he's funny, he's good looking, he is definitely a kid protagonist. He's got the doofy best friend who's funny, but you still like him and root for him. You're like, the, the, the babysitter is cool, but not too cool. And you're like, oh. This is like one of those movies. Okay, cool. It's a tribute to that stuff. It's by you being so buying into this whole very 80s setup and these characters that when it twists on you, even then you're still like, he's got to pull himself out of the spiral, man. Really- he's got to, because you sold me on this kid. I liked this kid a lot. And now I can't, I'm having trouble adjusting to the fact that he's a piece of shit. It's like the difference. <laughs> it like, it starts out Macaulay Culkin in, in Home Alone and it ends with Macaulay Culkin in The Good Son. <laughs> it ends with Macaulay Culkin in real life. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also uh, I wanted to say it has that amazing uh, grace note with, with her in the ambulance giving him the oh, finger. Oh, that yeah. final realize, scene is amazing. Like, and that punctures the balloon of the 80s movie. And then you see him say, we should go visit her in the hospital. And that 80s feeling starts all back over yeah. again. And you're like, maybe he will get away with it. And I would absolutely love to see uh, a sequel Part to this. Two. Yeah, yeah. Them, oh, yeah. The sequel, yeah. And them in the hospital. Well, yeah. so I have requested that information and say, is there any plans for a sequel? Well, not currently. He said, it's certainly possibly on the table, but it feels like a movie that needs time to turn into a true cult classic, which I believe it completely will. It'll be one of those movies that, like, Rare Exports has kind of come turned into now. Well, I think what sucks is that it's it's great. If you don't have Shudder and you listen to this podcast, spend the five bucks a month. Please. Uh, Spend it first on oneofus.net and then subscribe (laughs) to Shudder. Um, But uh, uh, it's a Shudder exclusive, so I feel like I hope that it gets the audience. And as a directorial debut for Chris Peckover, I mean, I cannot wait. It's a well-written and well-directed movie on every level. What's coming next. Uh, And let me say, Chris, who is a super great guy, we get to hang out with him at Fantastic Fest for a while, is in fact gay. So the gay stuff in the beginning, like, it's, it's not, not some creepy heterosexual yeah, guy some, like, <laughs> going like, oh, make gay jokes oh, man, funny. He's like, mean, the dude is, is, is in a serious relationship with another guy and has been for a while. I, well, yeah, exactly. Dude, so. it kind of weirded me out because, like, well, I did, had no idea he was gay. He's like a big, he's a bodybuilder guy, so he's huge. And we were hanging out the whole time, and I don't care. I don't care who's gay, who's not, whatever. But then I didn't know until I was like, we got friends on Facebook and I look, it's like, oh, this pictures of me and my boyfriend, who also is a gigantic, huge bodybuilder guy, like two bears, like together. And I'm like, like, oh, I didn't see that at all. Well, good for you guys. <laughs> they must have such pretty. pretty yeah, what's he like, doing now? Yeah, what's he, is he having? Another oh yeah, uh, in fact, he does. Although I didn't get this from him. There's a, there's another person in the mix that gave me the heads up, and this is actually an exclusive. They have not talked about this anywhere yet. <gasps> no, this is, is the first deliberation of is delib- Yeah, the D-O-D first time this has been on the internet anywhere. Uh, Chris Peckover's next film is going to be called The In-Between. It's a supernatural horror film. Uh, it's They're working with the producer and director of the Maze Runner trilogy who oh. are producing, which means it's a step up in terms like of like Maze money that, that, that's backing them here. And the basic idea is there's a family... Um, they're stranded in a cabin in the woods after a terrible accident. Their father is really badly hurt. Uh, and apparently there's like, as he's coming back, there's something's in him. That's not him. 
Like he's, he's they described as like a dangerous and ancient evil has possessed his body. Oh. But we're following the movie from the viewpoint of his father's soul that's trapped outside of his body oh, and trying cool to find out how to warn the family that's not him and his body. And I'm like, that's, that's kind of cool. That's a really oh, wow. cool. Yeah. I like that take. When it's definitely. That? So is that happening? That is happening. There's no word. There's no set release date yet or anything or even a trailer. But that is actually in in process. Well. After this movie, like I can't wait to see what that guy does. Yeah, yeah I yeah. agree 100%. I can't. And he's just a great I'm guy. Sold. So I'm like, I, I totally love it sold. when you meet people like that who are like not only so talented, but they're just super nice people. I love you're like, that. Always well. nice to meet people who are nice. Yeah. All right, what's next? Uh, next up is a movie I had never even heard of before one of the fans suggested, which was 2003's Dead End. I was actually kind of nervous about this, uh, about... Like, kind of encouraging you guys to watch this movie because, you know, with the Summers Brothers, you never quite know if they're going to like anything. And this one's a little bit dark, and I know you guys don't really like dark kind of things. So, you guys were like, what do you think about Dead End? I was like, uh, I don't know if you're going to like it well, or not. Well, I was, I had a good trailer and I was sold on the cast. I was the like, cast is fantastic. So, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll check this out. This looks unusual. So, well, I'm interested in knowing what you guys, yeah, what's the summarized uh, I'm going to let, um, I'll let Russ read this one. It's at the bottom there. Uh, A family takes an unexpected shortcut while on the way to their annual holiday visit to Grandma's house. Following a near accident, mysterious unexplainable events begin to occur to them that become increasingly deadlier as they search for some route to escape. That was very succinct. That is dead end. I mean, I will say one of the things I was like, oh, I can't believe I didn't know about this was the cast because you've got Ray Wise from, well, a shit ton of stuff. Reapers. Uh, from Reaper. Robocop. And, uh, twin, Robocop, Twin Peaks. I think Reaper's Lynn, more important. Lynn Shea has become, like, the oldest scream queen ever to start her scream queen career after she had already gone through menopause. Um, <laughs> who, but who's great. I love her as the, as the father and mother here. And I was like, oh, okay. And this is, like, a French-produced film completely. Like, I don't even think it came out in America at first. But, like, it, like it's all in English. And I was like, okay, I'm mildly excited to watch this movie. And as it goes along, I'm like, this is really dumb. Like, but it kept doing stuff that would go, oh, but that's interesting. Like, the whole thing with the, like, you know, they the, the limo that would drive. It's a hearse. The, the hearse. <laughs> sorry, a hearse. That would drive up where the person who would grab was in the back, which reminded me totally of Jacob's Ladder. I would, you know, oh, that I was scene thinking of the subway, papers, you know. Kind of. uh, but I was like, what is that? And it has these interesting elements throughout it, but even with the like Ray Wise, who I think is genuinely a great character actor, is not good in this. Mm. No one is good in this. <laughs> okay. It's really bad performances. It's really badly written. Really badly written dialogue. And there's a point I was like, is this on purpose? Did they go hype up everything to the nth degree? Because this, if this isn't silly, it's not going to work. I'm not entirely sure it did work. But I can't say at the end I was like, I hated that or anything. I was like, it was interesting. I like where they were going. It just felt more frustrating than anything that it could have been so much better than it was. I actually uh, disagree a little bit with you. I think that the moments between um, the husband and wife and how much of a 
dick he is to her. Like, I was just, like, having flashbacks from my own marriage. Just kidding, Carlos. Um, <laughs> he's, like, obvious to it. <laughs> he's like, uh, it's, it's like, fine. He feels it's the fine. Same I'm numb. He's like, that's I'm true, numb. except the other way around. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, can you give me a shot? Oh, there you um, go. No, I, I think that the whole scene between him and his and his wife where he's just like a total jackass and he's just it's relentless and i thought that that was actually like one of the best parts of the movie where it just it, it like yeah if, if i've been married for 40 years to the same person and we've both been cheating on our spouses and we just hate each other and like er, like just drinking out of the bottle and he's like can you stop drinking like that like just it's just I, that, that made sense to me for some strange reason. Not that my marriage is terrible. Um, <laughs> Thank you for adding that qualifier. Sorry. As he's doing service for I you. Know, as he's pouring right shots. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm right here. Um, I, so I just thought it was very realistic as far as like all of the skeletons come out of the closet. You know, at Christmas time. That's when we let everything out, whether we want to or not. Everyone has to deal with all of our shit. Um, and the mom absolutely losing her mind about three quarters of the way through was just fantastic. She did such a good job acting wise. I thought I do. I really do because she just like They're loses her shit. Talented, but. You know, am, am I the only one? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I don't think they're untalented actors, and I will agree that that was the least bad performance in the See, film. See, I actually, I mean, I think that the whole movie was a little bit predictable, but I think the acting was fantastic. I will say the teen kid is so Such annoying. A jerk. And everyone's annoying in this movie, uh-huh. except maybe the boyfriend who's the first to die. Well, I thought he like, was annoying too. Like, even, but by comparison, he might as well that's be a That's because saint. he just died early. Yeah, it could be that. But the teen kid, I'm just like... You guys didn't kill him hard enough. I mean, <laughs> honestly, who carries around a Playboy magazine centerfold to jack off to in the middle of a forest while people are dying? Now, that is the level this movie is on. Oh, so you guys didn't like it. That's fine. Um, <laughs> overall, I thought it was a solid movie. I mean, it's definitely not my favorite, but I thought it was a solid movie. I, on the second watch, I was entertained even again. So you'd already seen this? Yeah. Oh. I, I think I'm the only one that had yeah, seen it Yeah, I'd never even heard of it. Yeah, yeah. me neither. never heard of it. Yeah, I saw it a couple years ago. It was fun. I mean, it wasn't like super. I I remembered it because yeah. I remember it being a cross between like Jeepers Creepers and like National Lampoons. <laughs> and if that's something that interests you, you may want to check out Dead End. Uh, I had not I heard of this, this movie, and I think I was the one that actually like kind of pushed her to be on the list because I watched the show and I was like, "Okay, this looks interesting." Like, I mean, Lynn Shay and Ray Wise, like, yeah, I love Ray Wise. Yeah, Ray Wise. and I, I but I was just like, guy. and then the idea was kind of interesting that they were on the road, and you know, it looked like obviously one of these um, surreal things where now the roads, you know, not going to end, and they don't know where they are, and I, and I was like, okay, this is very Joe Lansdale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could have been, but I. This movie, like, this movie is one of these movies where I feel this weird thing when they wrote the script, like, they don't really have a movie. They just, so it seems, so nothing in the movie makes a lot of sense. Now, eventually there's this twist at the end to explain that it's, you know, they all, he actually did cross the line, they're all dead, and she survived, and she's in the hospital, but then the guy's really there. Whoa. Yeah, they're like, all like, oh, wait, but what if it did happen? What if it Which did like, happen? Come on, guys, but just pick one. No, it's that. definitely predictable. But yeah. I don't think, but I think what happens in the movie, like, the act of actually sitting through this movie is fairly tedious because none of it really seems to make much sense. It's like, 
like you're saying, like, you know, the, the main son just goes in the woods when they park the car to go put a Playboy on a tree and jerk off to it. And at that point, I was like, oh, this is the level the movie's on. Like, it's <laughs> not, like, cause, because nothing in the movie... So, so in movies, there's, there's like, I think, um, an attempt to to actually have real behavior. You know, you, you watch something and you're like, okay, people really act like that. And some movies, like when you watch Vacation, and I think, you know, like with Chevy Chase or something, Harold Ramis pointed out, like, they're not real people. It's like a replica of, like, human behavior. But it's not, no one acts like this By in the way, real life. By the way, side note, that role, the Chevy Chase role in Vacation, written for Paul Dooley. No, I could see that. Yeah. Um, and I think that... Uh, and I think in this movie, like, I got, like, okay, these people aren't really totally acting real people. But what's going on in the movie, it doesn't really make much sense, isn't particularly interesting. It's certainly not scary. Um, there's gore, there's a, there's an implication of gore in the movie, but they don't, it's not graphic, which usually I'm a fan of. And this is one of the few movies where I d- felt it wasn't done well. Like, I was like... It felt like a TV, like a sci-fi channel movie yes, in the early days. Right. We like, oh, we don't know how much we can show, so we'll just not show That's much. exactly right, because I remember there was some sci-fi movie where they go out in the desert, and they're trapped in this, like, kind of ghost town, and then it keeps going, but then they just never even explain why they what happened to them, like, just some force took them. This feels like that, and it just, it felt very nonsensical, and it, I thought it was, it was kind of a drag to sit through. Like, I was just like, I'm not interested in these people. Kind of? Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. I agree. No, I agree, because I was just like... They got to, like, and Lynn Shea, and, and, yeah, it's like she's shoving cake in her mouth after the, it, it's just nonsense. It like, was pumpkin pie. Oh, yeah, you're right, Whatever. pumpkin chuck pie. <laughs> I, I just, Gross. I guess it's just one of these things, like, I feel like there's no there there to this movie. It's not really getting a thing. It's not scary. And I thought when I watched the trailer, like, it had this f- sort of almost evil deadish tone to the trailer. And I was like, oh, okay, it's kind of a horror comedy thing. Like, it's sort of, it's sort of tongue in cheek. It's not. You know, it's not ever really funny or interesting. Like, if it was more gopher broke and people were acting more crazy, would have been interesting. It's not scary. It's silly. Uh, it, I just, I guess I just don't get what this movie is. Like, does anybody else feel that way? Like, you're just it's, like, Part of the problem is when you get to the ending. Because I kept going, well, I feel like there's going to be something here that will make all of this more interesting. And the, like, oh, they're actually, okay, so everybody's dead and this is just pieces in her coma that she's putting together but then going but wait it actually also did happen is like okay well now that none of that makes any sense like what what why are these characters behaving the way they are I mean, but they don't i mean to say they're characters is to say that i mean they, none of them act consistently throughout the movie no they, at all they just they just do weird stuff and they, they do the thing where the daughter is like has lost her mind after right. the first killing and then the moment then, yeah. something else happens she is the most on top of it and right everyone and, and not like that, but people keep getting killed in utterly horrific ways like they're almost turned inside out and obviously there's some supernatural force not on like, camera really right but i mean they're they're just like yeah and then they're getting pulled away in some, you know, death hearse or whatever. And, you know, and the, the road seems to never end and, and whatever. And their reaction to it is very, like, muted. Like, they don't really seem to react to the idea that they're in this extreme, bizarre as fuck. One of my favorite parts of this movie is that when the boyfriend dies and then they find his body and then they're trying to get his cell phone and it's like his ear is, like, hanging off the cell phone by his stupid fucking earring, that was hilarious. I, I mean, so he died that, while he was on the phone? That even made me go, wait, he was in the middle of being savage, and he's like, hold on, can I get back to you? I'm being savage right now. I'm being disemboweled. Like, why yeah, would the phone was, be attached to his earring? I was like, Well, I think of what it was is, I mean, 
Okay, so, spoiler, because you know that. Um, they're all in this car accident, and they all die. So I think that the way that they find their bodies is, like, mangled and burnt. And so that's how they... Did. I mean, that's it's what fine, they look like. fine, but dramatically, it's not interesting. It's not yeah, scary. It's agreed. not funny. It's just, like... I, I get sort of that that's the explanation of what happened, but... It's not... I mean, it's not a great movie, but I didn't think it was as bad as I you guys are making it out. Russ Rant. Russ. Um... You going off on this one? I don't know. Uh, Dead End is... Look, look, guys. I think Dead End is great. If by great you mean it was lit and in focus. Um, (laughs) And that it's a movie that you can see. (laughs) I mean, it was like... I was like, it was barely a movie. It's just these unpleasant characters sniping at each other in a car for like 90 minutes. And that's how I realized, wow, they're in the car a lot in this movie. Um, okay. Uh, also, I mean, the world's most obvious twist. I, I mean, I, I yeah. just... We need to put a moratorium on this. Yeah, we need Twilight to really like quit. this this yeah, thing it, of like, the minute that happened, I go, well, that's the movie. Well, yeah, you it, know. it should be a rule against if things are suddenly really abstract and reality is clearly like something's wrong with it, they're not dead. Well, they and cannot it, be and, dead. And especially <laughs> if they've just had this right at the beginning, this near-death experience, yeah. which they do, and I was just like... I checked out at that exact moment. Uh, you know, as you said, it it just becomes an excuse to sort of do whatever you want with no rules or consistency, but not in any sort of interesting or, say, Lynchian way or something. Or funny. Yeah, or funny. Uh, and that's really the problem with the movie is I, I just – the tone was so mishandled. I, I I really it was it was kind of unforgivable for me. It, it, I just it, it's not funny. It's it's like weird. It's heightened. It's not heightened. Am I supposed to be? I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this, but not in an intelligent or uh, interesting way, you know. And Ray Wise and Lin Shay. I mean, I. I actually did think they they did what they could with the materials because they can see them trying. They really yeah. are trying because they're just they're just they're, they're real asked actors. to do really real silly actors. things. Um, but the material just absolutely fails. I feel like them. the director was like, "So this is all kind of a dream anyway. So you need to really amp up everything." And then it was just you could, could never buy it. For You're me, like, it's, it's, feels- it's as a, as a person who's been with actors, I feel this weird thing of like they they aren't really being directed. Like mm-hmm. they're looking at the script and they play the scene, so they play it. Which I think actors, like, they're like, oh, I need to act this. I need to act that I'm losing my mind. I need to act that I'm... And you don't want an actor to ever be acting something. You want them to be behaving. And so you can feel them overacting in this super theatrical, uh, goofy... They're trying to save the scene. Right. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, just for... And again, I'm not a logic guy. I'm not a rules guy. But if it's all the girl in the POV, the girl in the coma's POV... Why does she see her brother's like incident where he has the 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 chicken white and why is he not screaming as the girl bites his lip off rips his face off you know yeah. i mean and I why just... is she thinking about her uh, imagining her brother jacking off in the woods <laughs> and and uh and also a uh, real quick um how is the guy at the end? That's not Richard E. Grant. Am I the only one that thought that I'm like, hey, this okay, it's not Richard E. Grant. Um are you talking about the, the British guy with the black hair? Yeah, yeah. I love that guy. I, well, I thought it was Richard Grant. It Steve was Valentine. Thank you. Who He's does indeed amazing. look kind of like if Richard E. Grant lived in Austin in the 80s and thought like, hey man, Bon Jovi is fucking great. I think he was on <laughs> Bones for a long time. but Well, I just, I just want to wrap this up by saying something, and this movie brought this out in me as I was watching it, but I... I, I I thought about this like I thought about this recently um, with with some of the, the the way we talk about movies and stuff, which is you know we say a lot of stuff about movies on on this podcast, and some of it is 
I think hyperbolic or meant for entertaining, you know, and it's, you know, we use words like, this movie is terrible, and, you know, fuck this movie, and all that kind of stuff, and, but I do think that, that all of us have a deep respect for the idea that, you know, it takes a Herculean effort to make a movie, to finish a film, to get it out there, to get anyone in the world um, to see it at all, and, and that's something that I think any movie review in this podcast, I, I've got to give you that. But help me help you. <laughs> have something going on in your movie. Have it be funny or, or profound or weird or something. And I just I just don't waste everybody's time. I, I just I feel like this movie was was kind of a waste of time and, and I that's it. I, it felt I, like they made it with the intention of selling it to somebody like the sci fi channel. And it just never happened, and so they're like, "I guess we'll put it out at festivals." I mean, it's just, it's just. There's no reason to tell this story. I wish I felt that they had a vision for what this movie was supposed to be, yeah. even it, a commercial one, like from a product standpoint. It doesn't feel like they really understood what the end product of the movie was. It felt like they, they well, we need a script. Well, what if they're on the road? And okay, well, what if like then this woman in white hair? What if she bites his face off? him? what if the hearse drives by? Like, what if, what if, what if? Like, it, none of it's consistent. Oh, and then it's a twist. Yeah, and then what if she's dead? She's dead the whole time. Oh my god, that's the end of the. Movie, Honestly, like, I wouldn't have minded most of that if it was just dialogue-wise. There's nothing back. fun about this movie. It's, you know? just, it's not fun. Well, it's just anyone was likable and was fun to watch on camera. There's definitely no one likable. Yeah, in this I'm just movie. like so. It's just like okay, we're along for a ride with these people that you can't stand and are really annoying. Even our final girl, I find I find her yeah. tedious. Yeah, they're um, all but tedious. I think I like this movie more than the rest of you guys. You just do. find it more watchable. Than yeah, we, I mean, you were like, this is fine. It's fine. What it's they're doing fine. is fine. We didn't feel that way. We didn't yeah. think it was not fun. That's well, okay. Let's go to our next movie, which we're going to do this one, and that'll be the end of this episode, and we'll continue the theme of this movie into the next episode. But this movie is 2015's Krampus, which was deeply anticipated by fans because this was written and directed by Michael Doherty, who surprised everyone with his horror anthology Trick or Treat, which was a a big festival success that turned into a pretty major cult film. It didn't make a shit. Never got a big release though. No, it never did, but it's become one of those like those movies that anyone we will probably be reviewing that Halloween. movie soon. I'm sure that we will. Oh, be we're definitely going. So this was his second movie. It was deeply anticipated, and this actually did get a wide theatrical release, although it was not screened for critics in general. Uh, we had to go pay to see this one, fuckers. And it had such an amazing cast. You got Adam Adam Scott, Tony Collette, David Ketchner, Alison Tolman, Conchita Farrell. I mean, like, it's like, oh my god, there's so many good people in this. This is a to die forecast. Yeah, it really exactly. Is. And then it got mixed reviews. But why don't you say, Patience, why don't you give the summer's synopsis? The summer's summer, summarization. The synopsis. Yeah, synopsis. Um, when his dysfunctional extended family clashes over the holidays, young Max is disillusioned and turns his back on Christmas. Aww. The lack <laughs> of festive spirit unleashes Krampus, a demonic force of ancient evil intent on punishing non-believers. All hell breaks loose as beloved holiday icons take on a monstrous life of their own, laying siege to the fractured family's home and forcing them to fight for each other if they hope to survive. Now, can I just say... Good job, guys. Thank you. When I saw this... That was beautiful. (laughs) I remember I gave it a very mediocre review when we saw it initially. I was very like... I didn't really care for it, and I remember going, I guess it's just not what I expected, which is weird, because I feel like having seen Jerk or Treat many times... And then watching this again, this should have been exactly what I expected, really, from the same guy. 
And I'm always surprised this movie gets... Like, there's a lot of people who do genuinely love the shit out of this movie. But there's just as many people who hate it so much that it makes them angry. And I'm like, guys, at worst, it was just kind of mediocre. But rewatching it now with the different expectations, I was like, hey, man, I really kind of enjoyed that. I, I thought that was fun and creative. I mean, yeah, sorry. It's got that weird mix between it's a family film, but it also has some pretty fucking disturbing shit in it. Like, especially the jack-in-the-box monster. <laughs> Holy fuck. That would, like, if I saw that when I was a kid, uh, my mom would have had to slept in the same room with me for weeks because I would have <laughs> been waking up screaming. That thing is upsetting. This is, like, I, it, I feel like it never quite gets the tone right between a Joe Dante-esque, like, like Gremlins thing and something that's dealing with dark and, and mature enough material that you can't bring your kids to. If anything, that's my only real problem with this movie. Um, coming back to it, I'm like, yeah, I love what's going on between Adam Scott and David Ketchner. I felt like maybe the Adam-Tony Collette uh, issues could have been a little more explained slash emphasized. Because they're like, oh, we're not really getting along right now. We're having trouble. But then that's about all that we really see yeah. of that on the whole. It's kind of dropped because when the, the extended family shows up, everybody goes, okay, they're, you know, yeah, all the United, problems to the front. side, these people suck. I mean, David Ketchner has kind of become this king lately of showing up in these like high profile cult films, you know, uh, and doing, finding out that he has a whole second, a new career as this guy who's in movies like this and cheap thrills. And I forget what the other one, there was another one after cheap thrills too. That was like, Oh my God, he was so good in it. Um, I, I found this genuinely funny watching it again, genuinely creepy. It is slight. It's, it's fluff in its way, but it's so creative. It's, ex- it's, it's not exactly what it needs to be, but it's getting there. And I'm sad that I didn't enjoy this more the first time that I saw it. Hmm. I thought this uh, this was actually uh, kill me. This was the first time I've seen this movie. Yeah, that's the first time I've seen it. Yeah, and I just I kind of feel bad because I always meant to, and I love Michael Doherty. I love Trick or Treat, and so I was just like, oh, I need to watch this movie. I need to watch this movie. So I was really glad that I had an excuse to finally watch this movie. I really liked it. It's it's it reminded me a lot of like again National Lampoon's reference. It reminded me a lot of Christmas Vacation, um, but you know because Which we have intentional. It, I think it was intentional because we have like our you know our redneck cousins you know showing up and they're the obnoxious all, kids. They're, yeah, the obnoxious kids with the dog that eats everything. I mean, it was very Christmas Vacation, but with awesome monsters. Like I absolutely loved the creativity as far as at one point, so there's these evil gingerbread men, mm-hmm. which I'm looking, one of them is voiced by Seth Green, by mm-hmm. the way, uh, one of the main gingerbread men. And I, I just thought that was such a cool and creative way to introduce these monsters into this like Christmas universe where, I mean, it's not just Krampus. You have the evil Jack of the Box. You have the evil angel with the Rob Zombie tattoo on its forehead. You have, like, you know, all of these, you know, beloved Christmas icons. He turns into these, you know, crazy, you know, literally man, literally, but for real this time, man-eating monsters. Um, so I just, I thought this was such a fun movie. It's just a fun movie. Mm-hmm. It's not like this is not something that you need to think about. This is not something that you need to analyze or, you know, just 
overanalyze in our case. Um, but this is just something that you should put on on Christmas Eve and just like drink some eggnog. I'm allergic to nutmeg, so not me. <laughs> but just like you know, have have a little bit of fun with it. Try not to think about it too much. One of my favorite parts of this movie is they do this whole flashback sequence where the grandmother talks about when she encountered Krampus the first oh, time, yeah, 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 and yeah, it's yeah. animated, mm-hmm. and that was just like brilliant. I just that was just a flash of brilliance on Michael Doherty's yeah, part. I love that part. Like, I'm already enjoying this, and now you do this, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow! It yeah. just made it extra all, star, yeah, exactly. Right there. <laughs> and then um, I don't want to go into the ending too much, uh, but the whole like Cemetery Man ending was just classic. It was just... I feel like Michael Doherty did his research and he made this movie He and for those of us who love horror, like, we're gonna recognize that. Can we're gonna I, see those moments. That very ending with, like, okay, so they made it out, but then they remember what happened mm-hmm. and then they're in a snow globe. That's one of the things that makes people angry about this movie. What? I, I mean, thought all that the was... negative stuff I've seen, they bring that up specifically oh, no, that, that I really mean, upset them. As a I can horror see that. film fanatic, I thought that was one of the best things. I thought it was like clearly like he's seen Cemetery no. Man and wants to do like no. a little As it was obviously ambiguous, Doherty himself has said my intention was largely to say, yes, they like they do kind of like have memories of it happening, but they're unclear. Like, did we all have some weird shared dream experience? And they're not trapped in a snow globe. It's basically Krampus saying, okay, but I got my eye on you guys. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, SBs? I like that. I actually like that interpretation. Um, I, uh, I had not seen this movie, and um, I, I, was, I, had, I just kind of put it off or whatever. And, and Russ had seen it, and, and um, he had said, yeah, you might, you might want to check it out or whatever. And because um, I... You know, we'll get to Trick or Treater, but I didn't love Trick or Treat in the way that other people loved it. So I know we'll get to it later. So when we review that, I don't want to. You're say- a monster. Well, but um, I it don't is even a know who you podcast, are so. But I, I did. Um, but the minute this one started, it was super entertaining. Like it's a, it's a very entertaining movie. I think that uh, Doherty makes. Uh, he's a creative, clever, entertaining filmmaker, and he makes these slick, cool. Um, kind of riffs on these horror things. I think they're probably not the scariest movies. Like, I don't think Trick or Treat's scary. I don't think no. this movie is very scary at all. Um, but they're fun. They're sort of meant to be like fun uh, rides. And um, this one really worked for me because, again, I think the cast on this one's kind of next level. Like, mm. Tony, Coll- like I, again, I don't want to turn this into something else, but like everybody raved about Tony Collette and Her- Hereditary. Best part of the movie. She's amazing. Um, she is better in this movie, in my opinion. She's really good. Um, she so Alison Tolman, who just recently turned into a big star because of Fargo season two. Yeah, she played she's the great main character in there. I mean, I love that chick. Yeah, uh, yeah um, and I think like, um, but there's a moment where, uh, like, we were talking about where the gingerbread man grabs, um, grabs one of the kids and is pointing up the chimney, and it's a, it's a neat sequence, you know? I think it, it shows interest between the thought that goes in a, a sequence like that and the sequence is in dead end, you know? And I don't even think it's a matter of budget. I just think the idea is cool. And they're, and they're trying... And Colette grabs the chain to try and pull the kid back. And the whole family is, like, fighting it. It's really, it's really intense. And the movie delivers on that moment. It's kind of ludicrous. And they have this thing where this gingerbread man swoops in and sort of growls at Colette and her expression 
is amazing. She's just shocked. Like, she doesn't know what she's looking at. And I feel like not enough horror movies have that reaction that we all have. Like, yeah. what the fuck that is going weird, on? crazy angel thing was like that. Her expression on her face was like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I think, like, she sells it. And I think, like, afterwards, they're all in the in the living room trying to recover. And there's a three-shot. I think it's her and, 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 and Adam Scott and somebody else. And... Um, the grandmother starts to explain kind of like she knows what's going on and this is who these people are and what's happening. But Colette's expression of trying to process what's happening, it's, it's just, that's next level great filmmaking and great acting. And I think the movie's smart like that. Um, Scott's great. I love that guy, man. I yeah, just think I he, he is Scott. such a leading man. Like, I, I love watching him. He's infinitely like, uh, likable when he when he's the good guy and stuff. And he's I, one of the best everyman actors working. He is, and he can be and the he ba- can be in different. He kinds can be of the movies. bad guys yeah. like in Step Brothers, but here he's just like you just instantly oh like him. God. You relate to him. Um, Step Brothers. Yeah, all the kids are good, uh, but I do think that the movie somewhat there's something about Krampus and when all the there's so many creatures, and I don't totally understand what they're all doing or what their deal is. Um, I don't totally understand what Christmas. I do feel that there's a way that the movie, it, it, it's it's exciting. Like I think like they're in the snow and Scott's got the shotgun. And he's taking out the monsters and they're trying to get to the Humvee or and I, and it's pretty exciting. But at the same time, like there's a slightness to what's going on and it, it evaporates a little bit because I think like you don't totally know what the monsters want and the monsters are, um, in that way that I feel like Guillermo del Toro does it where they're kind of overdone. Mm. You know, and I think of the is like a genius, but, you know, I think he thinks, like, me seeing this giant monster is scary, and I, I just don't think it's scary. I don't think anything about Krampus is scary or the gingerbread man. Like, they're not scary. They're not... They're cool. They're like Jack a new creation. The box is kind of scary. I mean, kind of. I mean, in, in a, like, goofy haunted house way. I kind of have a thing about, like, being... People being consumed by monsters, like whole, like void yeah. stuff, bugs me. And so the shot of the thing, like, is literally swallowing the feet again. It's just one of the kids. I was like, "Fuck that!" Right? But it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's not. It's sort of unrealistic. It's a lot. Like I think, like the thing where, but I do think the movie's great when the stuff that it's 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 better writing than a lot of stuff like we watch in this movie. Like you know, where him and and Ketchner have to go out, or Scott and Ketchner have to go out together and find the daughter because she's missing. I love all that. You know, they have to team up. They don't like each other. They don't trust each other. They come from very different places. But now they have to do this thing, and I think that's good writing. You know, that now they're sort of this buddy cop thing, and you know, all of a sudden they have to use shotguns and all sort of stuff, and all that, you never question it, you just go with it because it's fun, it's clever. Uh, but I think there's a way, and again, like we're talking about with the ending, I can see why that frustrates people. Because the movie doesn't totally click that it's gonna be this weird twist that did this happen? Do we remember something? It's interesting, but the movie's not totally that kind of movie. So um you know, I Honestly, I would say, like, if you listen to this podcast, like, yeah, you should fucking watch Krampus. Like, Absolutely. I think it's fun. I think it, I have problems with it because I think, like, you know, it doesn't all quite come together. But it's a good time. Like, I, I, I loved every minute watching it. Like, I, I was never – it never dragged. I was never bored. There's always something visual or, or well-executed or fun or funny. Um, and, it, I mean, you know, great cast and all that stuff. So, yeah, Krampus is a – this is a win. This is definitely one of my, my favorites that we watched. I'm glad we did. Um, Russ? Uh, right, I I too was not a big trick or treat fan. Um, I, I thought it had a you know nice design and a nice style, which carried over into this movie. But obviously, I liked the the script and what was going on with this uh, film a lot more. Um, let me just ask a question because I was kind of confused. Does the kid believe in Santa or not believe in Santa? Does he? Is this weird? It seems like he knows Santa's not real. Oh my God! Spoiler. 
Guys, I mean, Santa's I, not real. <laughs> I apologize for ruining Christmas. If anyone under seven yes. is listening I mean, to this, go I, home. It's talk representative to your of being that age where you're like, I know that they're saying that he's not real, but I am having trouble coming to terms with that. It's about it's, that. It's, well, it's about that. But that it seemed like it was. Am childhood. I wrong about that? It seemed kind of muddled. No, it was like, I, but he's telling the other little kids that Santa's not real. But then. He writes a letter to Santa. I don't know. It didn't make any sense. But, I mean, one of the reoccurring themes about him is he's like, I just wanted it to be like it was before. Yeah. I just wanted it to be like... So, he knows that Santa isn't real, but he just... He's trying to not let go of the Christmas it's, magic. Yeah, it's about that step from being a child to the first step yeah. of not being okay. a child He doesn't want to let with go. With him even having to get to that responsibility to realize I'm the one who has to have... Because Christmas I'm the only one as, who can yeah, Christmas as a kid is magical. Christmas as an adult fucking sucks. I still like it. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry. that's because you throw a really great party on Christmas Day. Uh-huh. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, uh, the casting of David Keshner. Uh I, I really like David Keshner, so let me just say that off. I, I think he's a really great actor, and, and I like what he brings. But when you cast someone like David Keshner or, or Keckner, however you pronounce it, and, and or you cast someone like, say, Danny McBride, um, <laughs> it feels like a shorthand. And it feels like somewhat lazy casting. Not because they're not great actors. Obviously, you'd be exact to have them in your movie. But it's an obvious choice. It's a very obvious choice for that part. It's sort of like when you cast Billy Zabka in a movie in the 80s. Like, you knew exactly. um, Randy Quaid was not available. Or Ben Foster is the twitchy guy. Yeah, Ben Foster is the twitchy guy. So that, to me, I feel like is a problem. Again, not because these guys aren't great actors and don't bring amazing things to these movies. All, all, all these actors I just mentioned. But because I feel that they're sort of deployed unimaginatively. That being said, he's great in the movie. I loved his part. Um, again, obviously, uh, Tony Collette and Adam Scott are great. Um, when does uh, Tony Collette not elevate every movie she's in? Yeah, um, triple X. What, wasn't she in The Sixth <laughs> Sense? Wasn't she the mom in The yeah, Sixth Sense? Was was she? Going all the way back Holy then. And she was great. She was. You know? um, and, and finally, uh, I, I want to reiterate what Patience said. I, I just, I love the evil toys. I love the sequence for the evil toys. That was where the movie, uh, which I was already enjoying, really went next level to me. I, I loved everything that was going on. I loved the actual... Uh, toys which I thought were were brilliantly rendered and and created like they felt very real to me as far as as what was going on. I never doubted the reality of them. Uh, so yeah, I, I think Krampus is a win. It's very entertaining. I'm I'm now actually um, really interested to see. Uh, I guess he's doing Godzilla next. He's yeah. doing Godzilla, right? King, King of the Monsters. Monsters. So I'm yeah. really excited to see him make trailers up. up. Yeah, so. as of I, yesterday. You no, know, yeah, I watched well, the trailer and I was like. I think all the monsters look great. I have no fucking idea what's going on in the plot of the film, though. I'm just like, so is this the end of the world? It kind of feels like an end of the world movie. I'm like, all right, well, but I, guess I don't know. We're what all gonna find out. Maybe that. Krampus will show up. Maybe Godzilla will fight Krampus. Oh, I do want to say, you were talking about the creature design. When we finally get to see Krampus, it's a clever choice what they did, where it's kind of like a corpse Santa Claus look. Like, his mouth is agape, like, hanging in a sort of unnatural... Like, it's broken I, I think that technically, look. this yeah. movie is aces. This, like, no, it's, this it's, is... This this is this is this guy has a vision as a director for like these creatures. They're they're all neat and how to execute it. Yeah, I think technically and from a story level, I, I would say that that was my only problem was that I, I wish there was a little bit more with Krampus. Yeah, I mean that he's the name of the movie. They hide him till the very end. Basically. Yeah, but I mean it's but that is a, there are so many cool monsters along the way and a constant series of discovery. I didn't mind. As I guess much I guess that, that may be one of the in. one of my complaints with the movie is that. 
there isn't as an antagonist he's not really present and instead they're sort of battling these little monsters and I think like it's neat all the sequences are neat toys or you know gingerbread man or whatever but at the same time like I think the movie suffers a little bit from that lack of focus from the bad guy you know um, so anybody who did enjoy this and I didn't realize this at the time I went and found it online uh, Krampus Shadow of St. Nicholas is a graphic novel that was put out by Legendary Entertainment as a companion piece to this film written by Brand, uh, Brandon Seifert uh, and featuring stories that were come up with by Michael Doherty and the movie's uh, co-writers Zach Shields and Todd Casey with art by Fiona Staples, who's pretty big right now, uh, from working on, I believe, Saga. Oh, uh, oh wow. Uh, Michael uh, Montanat, Stuart Sager, Amon House, and Christian Debari. I read it. It's, you know, it's one of those, like, if you like the movie, it's more of the same. It's kind of like, here's a bunch of short tales of other people doing something to piss off Krampus and making that happen to them and wherever they are, like in a shopping mall where the where the store Santa is an alcoholic piece of shit, and so that makes Krampus go, okay, obviously I need to step in here. Hmm. Uh, a, a thing with a, a cop who is chasing a guy who... Uh, like or is arrested a guy who's his secret is he's the guy who the drunk driver who killed her sister several Christmases ago and that turns into a whole thing. I was like, it's okay, but it's kind of like every story ends like okay, everybody dies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so like, my favorite kind, kind of yeah, stories. your favorite kind. Yeah. But I'm like, I like okay, this is good. I did not get time to finish it because I literally just realized this like a day ago. I got as through as much as I could. Apparently, the last story ties directly into the movie, oh, but yeah. I got you know. You'll have to read it for yourself yeah. and find out. That Check this one awesome. out. Uh, also, I read uh, all this movie was filmed on a soundstage, which is amazing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's the snow sequences and everything I love is that stunning. Look of just this world suddenly that like this that, that, like we've seen that neighborhood beforehand, and suddenly it's like like what's that uh, fucking uh, Roland Emmerich movie? With the uh, day after tomorrow, day after tomorrow. Day after suddenly tomorrow. everything is like yeah. it's been ten years. I mean, I think that's one of the cool things about the movie is like this feeling that. And I think the movie does a good job of this, this feeling of dread that uh, things are out of the daughter's and, and, gone. And isolation. And isolation, yeah. like no one's, all of a sudden no one's around. And they're just like staring out the window. Right. And, it, it, you know, I think like that apocalyptic feeling to the thing that now Krampus has come and the and the world as you know it is ending. And, and I think that. With intermittent effective comedy bits. Yeah, yeah I is, mean, I think that's one of the, the most successful things about the movie is it legitimately is able to balance like the comedy with the suspense. Right. Like you totally. feel. Like a foreboding, but at the same time, like there's some really great comedic moments that you're just right. I think like this shows like what the kind of tone dead end should have, yeah, exactly. You know, or something like that because the same thing like this family and they're under pressure and things are going sideways and you know people and I think like people are dying and I think like this shows like what you know the difference between somebody like you know Doherty and he just like he's his command of his story and his tone is pretty tricky. You know, he's doing this, like, kind of goofy horror thing. It's kind of almost satirical and tongue-in-cheek, almost Sam Raimi-ish. But then the movie is played very seriously. You know, they had that great thing where Adam Scott's in the snow, and he realizes he's, they're not going to make it unless he makes a last stand, and he tells the kids, like, I love you. He tells That's Toy a great it's a, it's a really strong, emotional moment. And, you know, they're great, and visually it's great. He's in the snow with a shotgun, and, like, they're coming towards him. It's really cool, and... You know, to have you know the movie to have gone there from where it starts, where they're just at some like like you said like Christmas vacation movie, and then they have this. I mean, that's that's skilled storytelling. So yeah. even though the movie's flawed, I, I think it's this is one of the movies like I would say it's, yeah seek out like if you're looking for like to be fucking entertained, this is the kind of movie like even you don't love it or everybody you're with doesn't it's love light. it. 
But it's but it's also significant. You don't go into it going, "This is going to be scary," because it's not going to be scary. No, it's, but it's fun yeah. and entertaining. It's like you know what it is. It's a roller coaster ride. It's like yeah. it's like you know, it may not be scary. You always know you're safe. And of but- everything on our list, this is the most. Christmassy of the Christmas movie. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Good point. That's um, a good, yeah, that's true. I, I keep thinking though, like the line that made me laugh the most is where they, they're uh, think they've just kind of all realized this is serious. This is really happening. This is bad. And the ger- German grandmother says something in German, and they ask the only kid is the only one who can translate. It's like, what did she say? She said, she said we're fucked. <laughs> Dude, the, oh, the grandma's great too. The grandma's uh, and the character of the grandma's great too. So yeah, but that's that. a really good point. This is what Dead End wanted to be and didn't succeed. Right? Yeah. I mean, being. I think you know it shows the kind of skill that you need, and I don't think it's a budget thing either. I think it's a storytelling yeah, thing. Yeah, you know? that's a writing. Agreed. Thing. All right. Well, all right. Well, that's it for shit. this episode. Yeah. Uh, Happy we- holidays everybody. Yeah, right? And we'll be back uh, next Monday for the literally the next to last day of, of July. We made <laughs> it! Finish Christmas. We weren't going to make it. I didn't think we were going to make we, it. We, we, made we, it. Made it. we made it. We made it. Uh, by the way, did we decide what we're doing next after the... I think it's going to be I think it's going to be horror anthology. Are we doing horror anthologies? Okay, yeah. so you guys want to start putting in your suggestions for your, your horror anthologies you would love to hear Great. us talk about. I'm we so almost, excited. We almost have to do Tales from the Hood because Tales from the Hood 2 is coming out. Get the hell out of here. You didn't know that? Yeah. This Halloween. Our dreams do come true. (laughs) (laughs) After all these years. Christmas.